With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. All right. What's up, YouTube? I'm Minister Derek Hallett of Sound the Trumpet Ministries. Soundthetrumpetministries.com. And today I actually want to do a teaching called Casting Your Pearls Before Swine. Casting Your Pearls Before Swine. And I think one of the reasons why um, the Lord led me for this, to this particular teaching is because I think we waste a lot of time on, you know, trying to determine the outcomes concerning certain situations. You know, when we talk about the Lord leaving everything in his hands or Lord, I give all these things to you. These are things that, you know, I can no longer handle on the horizontal with my physical life, with my mind, with my will. But Lord, I give them all over to you. I think that we will become very effective if we learn to die out to self and to give everything over to Jesus Christ. And, you know, in many ways, um, there's nothing wrong with preaching the gospel. There's nothing wrong with telling people the truth. There's nothing, um, you know, wrong with pleading for the lives of people and to see people saved. But I think what hurts us in many cases concerning ourselves as Christians is that we tend to care about or we desire an outcome to be the way that we want it to be. But that's not at all what Jesus says. He says, you know, go ye out into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He that believes and is baptized will be saved. And he that believeth not will be damned. Hey, Sister Sarah. And he talked about the signs that would follow a believer. They would cast out devils. They will speak with new tongues. They would take up serpents. They would, you know, if they drink or ate any deadly thing, it wouldn't hurt them. They shall lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. These were the signs of a believer. And the Lord tells us to preach the gospel. If people believe it and they receive it, that's fine. If they don't, we can't really, you know, worry about it too much after that. We need to go on to the next person and preach the gospel. Why it's important and why I think all this is being brought up because we put a lot of time and stock into things that are not going God's way, things that refuse to, things that you have wrestled with and fought with for years to get people to see and try and get them to understand, and people won't. But instead of us going forward and preaching the gospel to everyone, you know, to as many people as we can, we find ourselves going back to the people that have never, you know, received it, nor do they want it today. And this is where we placed our stock. And I realized that when you go through fights, when you go through trying to convince people, hey, Sister Tatiana, when you go through, you know, this fight trying to convince people, by the time you get through with that and you get ready to go into the next person, it's almost like you don't have the strength. It's almost like the devil has achieved his mission to get you to, you know, uh, to fight you over it and to try and stop you from doing it. And this is something that we have noticed on the outside, even preaching the gospel. This was something that um, also Sister Naima, you know, mentioned once to me how she said that when they were going out preaching, that there were a lot of people 
you know, some people that wouldn't receive it. And what they would do was fight over it. They would argue, they would debate, they would go through all this and that, and people would be walking past them. And, you know, the spirit alerted her that, hey, you know what, this is not, you know, what we're out here for. We're out here to win souls and to preach the gospel. Sister Sarah and I have encountered this many times over the years in going out there preaching and telling people about Jesus, where we find some people that want to debate. And by the time you spend 30, 40, 50 minutes talking to that person about trying to convince them, and they still want to argue, and we go back and forth debating, what ends up happening is you just seen 2,000 people walk by you that could have heard the gospel. So it is not our job to convince people of the gospel. It's our job to preach the gospel, and whosoever will receive it and believe it will be saved. If they believe not, then they will be damned. It's just that simple. There is nothing more to do other than to get full of Jesus Christ and preach the word. And if people will not believe it, you are not responsible for the outcome. I've heard Pastor Price preach this for years and I've preached it myself where, you know, we are to be like the postman. We come, we drop off, we drop off the package. If people won't believe it, then, hey, there's nothing that you can do about that other than the fact that you told them. People in this world will only do the things that they believe. If you believe that, you know, if you don't pay your mortgage in a few months, that they'll come and take your home. If you don't, if you don't believe, I mean, if you believe that, you know, if you don't pay rent, you'll be evicted. If you don't pay all that money and go to school and study and learn to obtain a degree, if you don't abide by the laws of the land, you will be arrested. You see all these things people fall in line with that they believe. If they don't believe it, they meet the consequences of those things. Well, the gospel is no different. Our job is to preach life, the life of Jesus Christ, about being born again, forsaking the world, forsaking sin, and getting in line with Christ. If people refuse to believe it and receive it, you are not responsible for that. You need to go on. So tonight, that's what we're going to be talking about, casting pearls before swine. We're going to talk about the positives of you know preaching the gospel and we're also going to talk about the negatives of what it is to to cast pearls before swine it will have an effect on you and many of us are grieving and dealing with that many of us have wrestled with family members for long periods of time just to see them not believe it or receive it hey well then you got to go on to the next person and that's why we cannot be respecters of persons because when we are we will think about some people need the gospel more than others, which is an outright lie. We all need the gospel, not just to be in Jesus Christ, but to remain in Jesus Christ. We have to go and talk to as many people as necessary that they may have a choice at choosing life or death, which is either Jesus Christ, or they can just stay in their sins and enjoy their worldly life. It's all up to them. What God places before us are blessings and cursings. And if we don't receive it, we are not responsible for the outcome. All right. I also got a couple of videos today, one of Derek Prince that I think is going to be interesting and helpful. And then there is um, a couple of articles I want to read concerning this. So let's pray and let's get right into this lesson for tonight. Heavenly Father, in Jesus name, Lord, we thank you for another day, another day not promised to us. And we ask, Lord, that you forgive us of our sins and our iniquities and our shortcomings and our transgressions, Lord, and those things are placed a veil between you and us. 
Lord, I'm grateful for this time that you've given me with brothers and sisters near and far, that we have yet another day to be partakers of your word, to edify by your spirit, Lord, that people may choose life and not death. And I just pray, Lord, that no man's heart be heard in his teaching. Lord, I pray that no flesh be glorified, but I pray, my Lord, my God, that you speak tonight. And I pray, Lord, that you get inside and that you break the heart. I pray, Lord, that you condition the mind. I pray that you transform the vessel, that they may come after you, Lord, and desire you and serve you. And I pray also, Lord, that you send the Holy Ghost. We welcome the invitation of the Holy Ghost, that great comforter, that teacher, the one that is meant to bring us into all truth and righteousness. I pray, Lord God, that you speak tonight. And I pray, Lord, that you edify. And I pray, Lord God, that you fill. And I pray, Lord, that you endue. And I pray, Lord, that you sanctify, that every vessel may be fit for the master's use and complete unto every good work. So I just pray, Lord, in Jesus' name, that you bind every foul spirit, every demonic spirit, every spirit of error, every spirit of contention and confusion, every spirit of jealousy, malice, and hatred, and all spirits of fear, doubt, and unbelief. I pray in Jesus' name that you bind the devil, that you cast him out, that he may have no dominion here, that he may cause no obstacles to be here, that you may open the minds, the eyes, the hearts, and the ears that people will receive and believe. For you are the King of Kings. You are the Lord of Lords. You are faithful, Lord, just and true, and worthy of all praises. We pray, Lord, and we ask that all these things be done for your glory and your honor alone. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. All right, hey, Sister Tara. So, you know, we've got to get right into this lesson and really talk about what God desires for his people. You know, the Lord has told his people many times, I place before you blessing and cursing. It's up to you to receive it. Now, I do believe that God will go a long way for someone that may be struggling, not sure what they believe, but they will be seeking truth. And I think that God will give mercy to whom he wants to give mercy and he will give honor to whom he wants to give honor. Hey, Brother Daryl. So, you know, this is one of those things where we have to leave everything up to the hands of the Lord, up to what he desires. Our job only is to tell people the truth. So let's get right into the lesson. Let's go to Matthew 7, Matthew chapter 7, and let's begin at verse 1. Matthew chapter 7 and 1. And guys, um, be in prayer for my brother, Randy. You know, he's my brother-in-law, my sister's husband. Some of you might've seen him on this channel. His name is uh, Randy Nicholas. Guys, keep him in prayer. He's been very sick. The man has given his life to the Lord. He's been fasting and praying, seeking God, getting strong. And all of a sudden, you know, the enemy just came in and hit him with some, what looked like it was food poisoning or a 24 hour bug. But now, you know, they were even questioning if it's meningitis, if it's this, if it's that. But I believe it's a spiritual attack because the devil's always going to attack those which are not like himself. So guys, be in prayer for him. He's been in the hospital. His situation seems like it's getting worse. But, you know, through Jesus Christ, you know, God will do all things, you know, and he can heal any situation and make it right. So please keep him in prayer, brothers and sisters. So let's go to Matthew chapter seven and let's look at verse one. 
Matthew 7 and 1, the Lord says, judge not that ye be not judged, for with what judgment ye judge, ye shall be judged, and with what measure of meat it shall be measured to you again. So we know that this is not the Lord speaking of we can't judge. He's talking about in what measure we judge, we will be judged. This is easily, okay, the verse that most unbelievers cling to and they know by heart. Why? Because they're trying to look for methods and ways and examples in the Bible to try and go right back to the filth that they're in and remain in it, and then try and use the word of God to wipe their butts with it. But that's not going to happen. You've got to read every single part of scripture to get and understand, which is what we're going to be talking about Tuesday night about eating the whole roll. So look at verse three, it says, and why beholdest thou the mote that is in thy brother's eye, but considerest not the beam that is in thine own eye? Or how wilt thou say to thy brother, let me pull out the mote of thine, um, uh, out of thine eye and behold the beam is in thine own eye. He says, thy hypocrite, thou hypocrite, first cast out the beam out of thine own eye, and then thou shalt see clearly to cast the moat out of thy brother's eye. So what is he speaking of? Hypocritical judgment. He's speaking of judgment, that if we're going to speak for the Lord and do the things of the Lord, we cannot be hypocrites. We have to separate from that which is unrighteous and get in line with that which is righteous, that the life of God may do the things that he needs to do and his people. So he's first telling us the conditions for going out and preaching the gospel. We cannot be hypocrites. Hypocritical uh, lifestyles separate us from the life of God. It pours water on that fire where it might've been truth and other people may have received it. It's now been watered down. So it won't have an effect as the truth is when we walk in it. Look at verse six, give not that which is holy unto the dogs neither cast ye your pearls before swine, lest they trample them under their feet and turn again and rend you. So as you can see, guys, the gospel itself is all about us receiving God's word as, as pearls. Not, not just pearls, but this is a thing of a treasure. Do we recognize that there is a treasure that is in God's word. And you know, a person won't only get this, they'll, they'll never receive this until they come to the end of themselves. You know, I used to read the Bible when I was a kid and try and understand things in it and it would make my head hurt, but I couldn't really receive it because I was unsaved. So with me being unsaved, I didn't recognize the true treasure in the life that comes from God's word. So he's saying for us not to give that which is holy unto the dogs, why? because dogs themselves don't want what God wants, okay? So if you look at that word dog, that word is G2965. That word is kuon, and it means a dog or metaphorically a man of impure mind, an impudent man, okay? And then it talks about a dog or a hound, but you know we're not talking about physical dogs and neither was Jesus, but he's talking about a man of an impure mind or an impudent man, a man who refuses to change. Those are the people that you don't share the pearls with because they're gonna treat them as swine do. Can you put a silk suit on a pig and you think the pig is gonna leave the mud and want a desire to stay clean and not wanna wreck that suit? He will jump back in the mud as soon as you let him go. So we must understand that a pig or dog has no regard 
for holy things. They have no regard for spiritual things. Their desire would be to walk in the filth of the world, okay? So the Lord is telling us here, do not cast your pearls before swine. And he says, um, don't give that which is holy unto the dogs. He says, lest they trample them under their feet and turn again and rend you. So if you keep bugging people with the gospel, they don't want it. And Sister Sarah and I learned this firsthand, preaching the gospel in the workplace, when people don't want it, let them be. Because these people will hurt you in order for them to stay as they are. When you infringe on people's rights, when you come into people's realities, when you destroy fantasies by telling people the truth of the gospel, if they're not wanting to receive it, they're going to turn to you and rend you. They will hurt you. Why? Because you become their enemy. Instead of them being pricked in their hearts and asking, what must I do to be saved? As Acts chapter 2 and 34 says, you know what you find is you'll find Acts 7 where they were pricked in their hearts and they turned to Stephen and gnashed on him with their teeth and bashed his skull in and they stopped up their ears. They did not want to hear the truth. Okay, so people are going to have two reactions when you preach the gospel. They're going to be pricked in their hearts and say, what must I do to be saved? Or they are going to turn again and rend you. They're going to make it clear they don't want it. And that's when we've got to obey God and go on and talk to the next person about it. Amen. Stephen was filled with the Holy Ghost. So look at verse seven. Ask and it shall be given. You, um, you seek and ye shall find. Knock and it shall be opened unto you. Now, these are for those who want to receive it. For everyone that asketh receiveth, and he that seeketh findeth, and to him that knocketh it shall be opened. Hey, Sister Teresa, so we've got to press in for those things that God gives us, that word, his spirit, that salvation that we seek after. We can seek, ask, and knock, and the Lord shall give it. Look at verse 7. Or what man is is there for uh, I mean is there of you whom if his son ask bread will he give him a stone or if he ask a fish will he give him a serpent if ye then being evil know how to give good gifts unto your children how much more shall your father which is in heaven give good things to them that ask him so as you can see, guys, we can get to the place of not lacking if we just seek the Lord. We've got to press in. We've got to seek, ask, and not to receive the things that we want. Now, this is where a lot of people fall wrong that I've seen concerning the gospel is a person may want to receive Jesus, but then they think that their salvation is the person that preached it to them, and they don't desire to seek the Lord themselves. No, you've got to press in and desire God and work out your own salvation with fear and trembling, okay? Our God is an ever-present help in our time of, of need. Look at verse 12. Therefore, all things whatsoever ye would that men should do to you, do ye even so to them, for this is the law and the prophets. Enter ye in at the straight gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the way, that leadeth to destruction, and many there be which go in thereat. So he makes clear that the many, okay, will go into the gate that is not productive. He tells them, he tells us here that the way is straight and the gate is narrow. And he says, many will go in that way 
and going unto destruction. But he says, because straight is the gate and narrow is the way which leadeth unto life and few there be that find it. So as you can see, this is, a you know, God is telling us something. Jesus is telling us something here that instead of us trying to control the outcome and getting mad when people won't receive it, or someone happens to curse you when you're out there preaching the gospel and you feel like, oh man, I've been pricked in my heart. I can't go on. Look at the words of Jesus. He says, it is a straight gate and the narrow way and few there be that will find the way. So you see, we need to just, we're not gonna be given points for our success. We need to be faithful. If you play the numbers game and you go out there and you minister the hard truth of Jesus Christ unto people, if they receive it, they receive it. But what he's making clear here is most people won't. So don't let it get you down when people won't receive it. When people say, oh man, that's foolishness. I ain't gonna waste my time. Yeah, you can try and press in and tell them something. But if they see, if you see that you've hit a wall and the spirit is telling you to move on, then move on. Why? Because instead of wasting your time with this individual who won't uh, even think of the gospel or allow it to seep in, that you could be out there ministering to so many people who might. This is how precious the gospel is. This is how precious eternal life is, that we can't afford to just sit and wait on one person. We've got to go forward with what the Lord is calling us to do. Because other than that, when you stay in there and force people to receive, you violate the free will of people. And that's not the God we serve. Look at verse 15. He says, beware of false prophets which come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ravening wolves. You shall know them by their fruits. Do men gather grapes of thorns or figs of thistles? Even so, every good tree bringeth forth good fruit, but a corrupt tree bringeth forth evil fruit. A good tree cannot bring forth evil fruit, neither can a corrupt tree bring forth good fruit. Every tree that bringeth not forth good fruit is hewn down and cast into the fire. So as you can see, guys, we can't afford to waste time and we can't afford to play games. Convincing people is not our job. Our job is to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ and whomsoever will receive it, will receive it. But he's talking about, hey, good trees, they can't bring forth evil fruit. Neither can, you know, um, corrupt trees bring forth, well, corrupt trees can't bring forth good fruit. You know, evil trees can't bring, corrupt, incorrupt trees can't bring forth good fruit. Well, you guys get it, all right? I'm getting tongue twisted here trying to make the point, but a good tree will not bring forth evil fruit, okay? Just like a corrupt tree won't bring forth good fruit. There we go. So it says that wherefore by their fruits, ye shall know them. So it's only by those fruit that we will truly know the Lord, okay? And you'll know those who are telling you the truth. He says, not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of my Father, which is in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name? And have we not, ca have we um, in thy name, uh, have, have cast out devils and in thy name done many wonderful works? Then will I profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. He says, therefore, whosoever heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them, 
I will liken him unto a wise man who built his house upon a rock. So Jesus is just breaking it down to the place of whosoever will hear the words of Jesus Christ and do them, he will liken him unto a wise man that built his house upon a rock. And the rain descended and the floods came and the wind blew and beat upon that house and it fell not, or for it was founded upon a rock. So as you can see, a true believer is not just gonna hear the words and believe them, they're going to do them. They're going to apply those words to their lives. And that would be ourselves getting in a relationship with Christ, reading his word and standing on that foundation, which is Jesus. Verse uh, 26 says, and everyone that heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them not shall be likened unto a foolish man which built his house upon the sand. And the rain descended and the floods came and the winds blew and beat upon that house and it fell and great was the fall of it. So you see, if we hearken unto the words of Jesus Christ and do the things that he says, then the Lord Jesus Christ will do his part. This is all cause and effect. This is all if and then. If you do these things, you will see the growth of Christ in your life and your house won't fall under pressure. But if you don't do these things, you'll be like unto a foolish man. You may hear them, but that doesn't mean that you do them. And your house will fall and great will be its fall. So as you can see, guys, we don't need to cast pearls before swine. We tell people the truth. If they go in accordance with the guidance and the instructions of our Lord Jesus Christ, then they'll receive it. But if they won't receive it, guys, we can't make them. We waste tons of time with people that are not willing to change and that will not go forward and do what God says. We can only tell them the message. We do not determine the outcome. Now, of course, we can disciple people. Of course, we can pray for people that haven't received. Of course, we can go back and check on them from time to time. But we must yield to what the spirit of God tells us, because I'll tell you this, when Noah's ark set sail and that door was closed, there was no more casting pearls before swine. What people have chosen is what, what, what their fate was. And for those who believed, as you can see, they were on the ark. It's just that simple. Now, I know that that sounds cold blooded. I know that it sounds unloving, but we must understand that God commands us just to tell people the truth. That's it. Tell them the truth. You know, obey the words of the spirit that he tells you. Work with people that are willing to work. But if people don't want to, we cannot force them. We can go right along, right on down the block and find someone else you never thought would receive it. We'll say, you know what? I need to change my life. And that's what we're looking for. We're looking for God's remnant. We're looking for those who will say, okay, I'm done with my life. And I believe what you have told me is the truth. And let me go after that. That's what we're interested in. Of course, we want all souls saved, but we can't make all souls come to Christ. We can only work with those who are willing to receive Jesus Christ. Let's go to Proverbs 26, guys, and let's look at verse one. Proverbs 26 and verse one. Look at Proverbs 26 and verse one. He says, as snow in summer and as rain in harvest, so honor is not seemly for a fool. 
as the bird by wandering, as, as the swallow by flying, so the curse causeless uh, shall not come. A whip, sorry guys, a whip for the horse, a bridle for the ass, and a rod for the fool's back. <laughs> you know, he says, answer not a fool according to his folly, lest thou also be like unto him. So as you can see, guys, it would do us some good to not follow fools in their folly. A fool is anybody who won't believe wisdom or Jesus Christ. Okay, that's the definition of a fool, one who will not receive God's word. If they choose not to receive it, don't keep going with them or we'll end up like them. We will become foolish trying to get a rock that won't budge when you can just scoop up a couple of pebbles in the sand and, and be about your business. Go do the things that you need to do. Look at verse five, answer a fool according to his folly, lest he be wise in his own conceits. So, you know, we need to tell people the truth because a foolish person is never going to see the wrong that is in themselves. They're never going to see their sin or their way, you know, as wrong, but we need to answer them according to their folly. Okay, if this is where they're wrong, we need to tell them that which is right, unless they will become wise in their own deceit. This can happen. A lot of people think they're preaching the true gospel, but they don't see the errors in it. You know, if, if brothers and sisters of mine see me not doing what's right, tell me what I need to, that lest I be wise in my own conceits. Why go and talk about the person and everything they're doing wrong when we can tell them what is right? Okay, look at verse six. He that sendeth a message by the hand of a fool cutteth off the feet and drinketh and drinketh damage. The legs of the lame are not equal, so is the parable of the mouth of fools. So this is true, just how a lame person would have one leg longer than the other, so is a parable in the mouth of fools. Why? Because fools won't receive the truth. Look at, um, look at verse eight. It says, as he that bindeth a stone in a sling, so is he that giveth honor to a fool. And, and this is true because you see, all wisdom is really of Christ. We gotta ask ourselves, are we dealing with man's wisdom or God's wisdom? Because a person can give you as much philosophy as they wanna give you, but if it doesn't fully line up with scripture, then it doesn't really matter. We've got to learn to be heavenly minded, have the mind of Christ, to do the things of Christ. Because what we'll end up doing is, if we won't receive the wisdom of God, we will receive the wisdom of a fool. Those two don't run together. Look at verse eight. As he that bindeth a stone in a sling, so is he that giveth honor to a fool. As a thorn goeth up into the hand of a drunkard, so is a parable in the mouth of fools. The great God that formed all things, both rewardeth the fool and rewardeth transgressors. He says, as a dog returneth to his vomit, so a fool returneth to his folly. This is why God does not want us to waste time for those who won't receive it. Because if it didn't prick them in their heart, if it's not the parable of the sower, where that person can hear and understand the word and then go and do the will of God, other than that, you're wasting your time with people who will not believe you. Okay, so he says in verse, uh, I uh, believe him in verse 11. He says, so as a dog returneth to his vomit, so a fool returneth to his folly. So our job is to preach the gospel, tell people the truth, 
If they won't receive it, guys, we cannot make them. Kick the dust off your feet and go to the next individual who will receive it. Look at verse 12. Seest thou a man wise in his own conceit? There is more hope for a fool than for him. And that's how we got to be. Okay, you tell them about their need for Jesus, the wicked and corruption of this world, our need to be born again, receive the word of God. We may give them a few scriptures. If they say, nah, man, that's all garbage. I don't want to receive it. Well, you know what? He's wise in his own conceit. There is better hope for a fool than for him. Then you need to go on and talk to someone else who will. I know a lot of people don't like this message, but you know what? I don't really care because the bottom line is, we need to be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth and subdue it. We need to do what God says. We need to continue with what Jesus Christ said to do because there are souls out there that need the Lord. Okay, one more thing I'm gonna go to, then we're gonna hear a video clip. Let's go to Matthew 13 and let's look at verse 36. Matthew 13 and 36. It's not about not having compassion. It's about not being, you know, falling privy to the snare of the devil that's trying to keep us from doing what God wants. You know, and that's what the devil does. There was a video my brother James sent me a while ago. I'm going to find it and put it up in the description box, but it was also called uh, Lazy Christians. There's also um, uh, another video by a guy, James Stewart, that, that did one on good for nothing Christians, but he says the dangers of lazy Christians. So there was like this computer animation of this girl that, you know, got baptized in the Holy Ghost, had the spirit, and she was out there trying to, you know, win as many souls as she could. And she ran into this lazy Christian that was trying to get her to do everything for her. That's also a snare that the devil will bring you in. Because instead of people hearing the word, having their own study time, believing God, of course you will disciple them and they ask questions, but what you tell them is not gonna fall on deaf ears. They're gonna go preach the word, do what God tells them to do, you know, or get themselves built up. But a lazy Christian is, well, I don't understand how to read the Bible, read it for me. Okay, which is all well and good, but you would think that they would be there with their pens, their pads and papers, taking notes so that they will eventually learn to do it themselves. But a lazy Christian will ask you to carry me, pray for me, do all these things for me, help me with this. And before you know it, you're spending so much time with this person. And this person is weighing you down because they're not picking up their end of it. They're not trying to go. You're just pouring a bunch of, of you know, of the life of God in the people that won't receive it. You know, you ask them, hey, read such and such scripture and let me know how you feel about it. And they'll say, okay. And then you talk to them the next day. Did you read it? Oh, no. Nah. Um, actually, I got caught up with some things and then I had work and then I did this and that. Okay, so here's another scripture. All right, let me pray for you. Let me help you do this. And then you ask them, okay, so did you do that? You know, did you read that scripture? Oh, no, I, I you know, I just, so, you know, after a while, the woman went from, in this animation, walking with the woman to actually putting her on her shoulders and carrying her. And she became so weighed down thinking that she was showing compassion to the lazy Christian that she was being weighed down and the Holy Ghost came to her, you know, spirit or, or somebody that knew her that was like, you know, stronger in the faith than her said, what are you doing? 
Put that person down. Why are you following them? Why are you doing all these things for them? God didn't command you to go this far with the person. He commanded you to preach them and to talk to them, but we can't even do anything for a lazy Christian. A lazy Christian will work you down to nothing. You'll be putting so much energy and time in that, but you'll see no growth. And it's not up to us to determine who's gonna grow, but it will weigh you down. It's gonna pull you down to the floor. That's why you've gotta go according to those who truly want it. Because when you cast your pearls before swine, man, it really is a waste of your time. And it's a waste of God's time. Our job is to tell them if they won't receive it, hey man, I gotta move on. I told you to read this, you didn't wanna read it, I got to move on. I can't continue to waste time with you while you won't receive it. So anyway, this is Matthew 13. Look at verse 36. And Jesus sent the multitude away and went into the house. And his disciples came unto him saying, declare unto us the parable of the tares of the field. He answered and said unto them, he that soweth the good seed is the son of man. That's Jesus Christ. The field is the world. The good seed are the children of the kingdom, but the tares are the children of the wicked one. The enemy that sowed them is the devil. The harvest is the end of the world and the reapers are the angels. So as you can see, guys, we get a fresh perspective here that it's like one garden. You've got the gardener or the husbandman, which is Jesus Christ is planting seeds in people. And you got the devil trying to uproot them and plant tares. So everybody you minister to is not, you know, um, a seed, is not a good seed. It can be a tear. It's not wheat, but that's not up to us to determine. But we can't allow ourselves to be caught up in this obstacle course of working with the devil's children who will never come to Christ. Now, are there people I ministered to that received Jesus Christ that I didn't think would? Absolutely. Okay. There were times I could have been seen in my life as a tear myself. So these are areas that, you know, we leave up to God to work with, but you see anything that is willing to grow organically or is of the right seed, you might be able to sprinkle some water on it. You may be able to get the soil right and give it enough sunlight and it's going to grow automatically. But a tear, though it may grow, will never become a wheat because it's not of that nature. It's not up to us to determine who are wheat and who are tares. It's up to us to preach the gospel plant those good seeds with Jesus Christ in us. And, you know, let the chips fall where they may. What will become fruit or what will become a wheat will become wheat. Those that will become tares, you know, will be tares. So, you know, we got to pay attention to that. We can't fight and want wheat to be tares or tares to be wheat, you know, and, and it's not up to us to do. It's up to the Lord to make the separation. So he says in verse 40, as therefore the tares are gathered and burned in the fire, and so shall it be in the end of the world. The son of man shall send forth his angels and they shall gather out of his kingdom all things that offend and them which do iniquity. So at the end of time, the Lord is gonna come and scoop up those who are evil and they're going into the lake of fire and shall cast them into the furnace of fire. There shall be wailing and gnashing of teeth and shall the righteous uh, shine forth as the sun in the kingdom of their father who hath ears to hear, let him hear. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like unto a treasure. So you see guys, the kingdom of heaven is like unto a treasure 
hid in a field, and which when a man hath found, he hideth, and for joy thereof goeth and selleth all that he hath, and, and buyeth that field. So as we can see, the Lord is making clear, the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure. So when a man finds it through the gospel or God showing us the things that we need, man, that person's gonna recognize, man, I may not know a lot, but I know what you told me is the truth. How do I sign up? Where do I get started? How do I get to know this Jesus that you guys talk about? He's going to behold it as a pearl in a field, a great treasure, that when he finds it, he's gonna sell all that he has. So someone who will receive the gospel, I'm not saying you won't have to break down strongholds, but what I'm saying is that person will look at it like, hey, this is my chance. This is my shot. I know that I've heard the truth and I'm gonna go in accordance to finding out about this. The world's not gonna hold me back. The flesh is not gonna hold me back and the devil's not gonna hold me back. Where do I sign up? You see, for those who are really repentant and those who wanna receive Christ, there's not a whole lot of fighting with them because they know what you have told them is the truth. They may say, I don't know, let me look it over, but they're not gonna be standing toe to toe with you trying to fight you every step of the way. Those people you've got to pray for and leave up to the Lord and God will do what he needs to do in, in his time. Look at verse 45. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like unto a merchant man seeking goodly pearls. So a merchant man will look at the kingdom of heaven and hey man, I'm looking for things of high price, things that have true value, things that make sense, things that I can grow and be fruitful and profit from. He says, who when he have found one, one pearl of great price, went and sold all that he had and bought it. So as you can see, when you recognize that you're in the truth and you're receiving the gospel, man, get the rest of these things away from me because I've got Christ. I'm gonna do what he tells me to do. So you see, there's not a whole lot of fighting with those who will receive. Verse 47, again, the kingdom of heaven is like unto a net that was cast into the sea and gathered of every kind which when it was full, they drew unto shore and sat down and gathered the good into the vessels, but cast the bad away. You see, this is the Holy Ghost that does salvation with us. He's gonna give us all those things that we need that we will receive. And those things that are bad, oh man, they can go back in the river. I'm seeking what I can have, that which is good, that only comes from Christ. We'll never get there, guys, unless we recognize that God is good and in us is no good thing. So we will have him inhabit us, live in us, build us up, sanctify us, dwell in us, and do us that we can get our job done in Jesus. But as you can see, when you recognize that which is bad, you don't keep it in your net, you part from it, you get rid of it, that you can walk with Christ. So he says in verse 49, so shall it be at the end of the world. The angels shall come forth and sever the wicked from among the just and shall cast them into the furnace of fire. There shall be wailing and gnashing of teeth. Jesus saith unto them, have ye understood all these things? See, now Jesus told them point blank range what the truth was. And the next thing he says, well, do you understand what I'm saying? 
They say unto him, yeah, Lord. Then said he unto them, therefore every scribe which is instructed unto the kingdom of heaven is like unto a man that is an householder, uh, which bringeth forth out of his treasure uh, these new and old. It says, and it came to pass that when Jesus had finished these parables, he departed thence. See, Jesus didn't spend a whole lot of time. Hey guys, you understand what I'm saying? All right, then he moved on and went his way. And when he was come into his own country, he taught them in their synagogue insomuch that they were astonished and said, whence hath this man of this wisdom and these mighty words? Is not this the carpenter's son? Is not his mother called Mary and his brethren James and Joseph and Simon and Judas and uh, his sisters? Are they not all with us? Whence then have this man all these things? So of course, going back to your hometown where people didn't see you do a lot of this stuff, they can't really understand the wisdom that is in Jesus and all that he's doing. Also, one big thing you better worry about with casting pearls before swine, man, it's hard to break through a lot of strong men like you see with a lot of people when they're in the Catholic religion. You can tell people Jesus Christ is our savior. Mary was just a human vessel to bring him forth. Jesus had always existed and Mary herself was in need of a savior. But they'll tell you Mary was immaculately conceived. She was also born having no sin. You know, she only had Jesus and that was it. But look at the brothers of Jesus and there's some sisters here too. Mary did not die a virgin, okay? Mary had children with Joseph, Jesus um, with Joseph. Jesus was the only one that came from a virgin birth, okay? So, you know, a lot of people will paint lies and fantasies and believe this and Catholics, are some of the hardest people to win over. Why? Because they believe that the Pope is Jesus Christ. They believe he's the mouthpiece of Christ. He is the vicar of Christ, even though he does everything that is not of Christ. They believe that the cardinals, the bishops, and all the saints and all the anyone that they name as a saint is valid when there is no place for them in the Bible. But as you can see, a lot of these people, you've got to cast your pearls, you know, don't cast your pearls before swine. You tell them the truth, they won't receive it. They won't even read the Bible as it says. They will read the interpretations that are given to them through the Catholic church. Then you've got to pray for them and let people be and move on. We've got to learn to kick the dust off our feet and move on. Hey, I've told them if they won't receive it, there's nothing I can do about that. Look at verse 57. And because Jesus preached what he preached and they were offended in him. But Jesus said unto them, a prophet is not without honor, save in his own country and in his own house. So, you know, this is why God tells us or commands us to go out and preach the word to every creature because sometimes people can get so familiar with you that they just can't receive it from you. So a prophet is always, he's never without honor except in his own country, where people get used to you, people take you for granted, oh yeah, whatever, you ain't nothing. I remember when you were five years old, when you were 15 and you were sinning, so I don't believe it. That's why you got to kick the dust off your feet and move on. But these people are offended in the truth of Jesus. In other words, Jesus, who are you to preach such a gospel? 
You see, you've even got to kick the dust off your feet, even concerning religious folk, because a religious person will say, my pastor never said that, so I don't believe you. Hey, man, I told you the truth. You can look it up in the Bible for yourself. If you don't believe it, then you got more problems than me that is standing here before you telling you this. Anyway, look at verse 58 and look at what Jesus did. And he did not many mighty works there because of their unbelief. Hey, I wanted to come. I wanted to help. But you can't make people receive the help. When Jesus recognized they did not want it, he kicked the dust off his feet and he moved on. And that's what we got to be. If Jesus did it, why can't you? Don't think that you're not showing compassion. Compassion is preaching the gospel and telling people the truth. If they won't receive it, man, then just move on. You may have to see a hundred people in a day that won't receive it. But then towards the end of the day, that 101st standing at the bus stop or is in the supermarket, that guy who was, you know, a thug out there in the corner cursing, you know, and selling drugs and doing whatever, the Lord may lead you right to him. Hey, and he'll receive Jesus Christ. Why? Because he's in the worst possible situation. Some of the hardest people to convince of the gospel are the religious people or the church going religious people that feel like, hey man, I'm in the truth. I don't need you to tell me because if my pastor wanted me to know this, he would have told me. It's hard to work with a religious mind because a religious mind believes that he already knows. Man, that is so hard to deal with. So we're gonna hear a clip of Derek Prince, which I think is really valid. And I love the way that this man preached because he made it very clear that if we don't meet the conditions and what God wants, then what more is there? Derek Prince did not spend a lot of time, you know, wasting energy preaching the gospel. He had a very smooth delivery, but he just told people the truth. And he said it in such a nonchalant way. You know, he was led by the spirit when he said it, but you know, over time, you learn not to burn up your energy trying to convince folks. So listen to this. This is by Derek Prince, and it's called Don't Help People Who Are Not Willing to Change. So check this out. So how many times has it happened to you? The phone rings and the number on a caller ID Sorry, guys, sort of looks familiar, and so you answer... Paul was talking to Timothy as a minister. He says, if people are not willing to change, lead them to themselves. How much time is wasted in contemporary Christianity by counseling people who will never change? I have a friend who was a minister in Australia. He's retired now. Very successful minister with a large congregation. <clears throat> And he had a number of young pastors working under him. And one day he said to them, all your books on psychology and counseling, I want you to throw them away. That from now on, we're going to counsel people only out of the Bible. And then a couple came to him, whom he had been counseling for several years with marriage problems. And he said to them, from now on, I'm not going to counsel you because you're disobeying the word, the word of God. He said to the husband, the Bible says, love your wife. You don't love your wife. He said to the wife, the Bible says, be subject to your husband. You're not subject to your husband. 
So I said, I'm not going to deal with you until you will obey the word of God. I have no more time for you. Well, a lot of time he saved himself. I mean, I've spent hours in counseling in the past. Well, I've counseled many people who wanted deliverance from demons. But I learned to say something. If they had too many theological problems and too many questions, I used to say this, deliverance is for the desperate. You're not desperate. Come back when you are. So I believe that's all part of what Paul said to Timothy. Leave them alone. Don't waste time on people who will not change. If a person is willing to change, God will go to endless lengths to help them. But if they want to stay the way they are, God leaves them to themselves. Well, we must go on. If you look at the rest of this chapter, and I won't deal with it, you find that the secret undermining force is the occult. Now, we look just quickly at verse 8. As Janes and Jamres resisted Moses, so these also resist the truth. Janes and Jamres were the two magicians who had a contest with Moses and Aaron. That's the first witches' covenant mentioned in the Bible. Magicians of Egypt in Exodus chapter 4. But behind the corruption of human nature is the subtle, deceiving, corrupting influence of the occult. And that's the that's the force that hastens the corruption. And then in verse 13, Paul says, But evil men and impostors will grow worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. Now where the Bible says, or this translation says, impostors. And let me say, I've learned Greek since I was 10 years old. The Greek word is enchanters. Evil men and enchanters will grow worse and worse. In other words, incantation is one major form of occult practice. Again, it's the occult. And I have come to the place in my own view where if there are prolonged problems that cannot be resolved in a church or in a life or in a home, somewhere behind it is the occult. And you will not really resolve those problems until you get to that root. Okay, so you know, I believe what Derek Prince said is so true. We burn up a lot of time and energy going after things that are not of God, when really we could just hand everything over to Jesus and let him determine the outcome. The Bible says that the word of God doesn't return void. So you know, whatever purpose is met for God's word to be preached, then let it be preached. But I think what can have us really bound in many ways goes back to Matthew 7, when Jesus, before he even says not to cast your pearls to the swine, he goes back to a place of hypocrisy. He goes back to a place of making it clear that before you even go out to decide to give pearls to anybody, 
you can't be a hypocrite because hypocrisy disempowers people. You know, we need to really cling to the Lord and do what he says. But then he talks about people that are not willing to change. Derek Prince mentions here, you cannot determine the outcome. Our job is to tell them the truth. You know, if I'm, if I'm uh, you know, selling Kirby vacuums and people won't receive it, then I mean, hey, what is that to me? I'll just go and knock on the door next door, okay, to sell the vacuum. I'm gonna tell them everything, all the new features it has, how it would be beneficial to them. But if they choose not to receive it, I'm not gonna tell them, man, I heard what you said, but go get your wallet, all right? And go bring your, you know, get your card and we're gonna make this payment today. What you're gonna end up finding is police are gonna remove you from the door and you'll be arrested for harassment. So we cannot go beyond a person's free will. Look at 1 John 4. There's a bit of a warning in there for us. 1 John 4, let's look at verse 1. Then I'm going to read an article to you guys, you know, about godly sorrow and when someone really truly repents. So look at 1 John 4. And let's look at verse 1. And that's why, you know, you just got to thank God for everything that he does. When God is working on you and he's dealing with you and you really develop a relationship with the Lord, you don't care what people think of you. You you really, truly don't. There may be some things that may a person may say that it may cause you a little hurt or pain, but you just go on with it. You don't try and, you know, find ways to belittle people to lift yourself up. You don't attack and fight back and argue and do all these things with people. Hey man, you said that, that's what you feel about it. God knows every single heart. There's no need for me to prove anything to anyone. That's what it is to be made whole in him. God makes you whole. You don't seek validation from others. You follow him and what he believes. Because if you're worried about how you're gonna be seen, you'll never preach the gospel. You'll never kick the dust off your feet. You'll, you'll continue to cast pearls before swine because you want that person's approval. We tell them they don't believe it. God knows every heart. He knows every little message, every little you know uh, feeling that, that someone may have towards us. Their problem may be deeper than you preaching the gospel to them. Their problem may be you know huge going back to childhood, but at least you've planted a seed that that person may receive it one day. Pray for people. First John 4, look at verse 1. He says, Beloved, believe not every spirit, but try the spirits, whether they are of God, because many false prophets are going out into the world. Hereby know we the spirit of God. Every spirit that confesseth that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is of God. And every spirit that confesseth not that Jesus is come in the flesh is not of God. And this is the spirit of Antichrist, whereof ye have heard that it should come, even now it is already in the world. Ye are of God, little children, and have overcome them, because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. They are of the world, therefore speak they of the world, and the world hears them. So we must understand when we're preaching the gospel, and people seem like they cling to things that are worldly, but they won't hear what you're saying, 
He says they're of the world. So they're going to speak of the world and the world will hear them. This is also how you can tell a false prophet from a real one. A false prophet will lead you onto the world, the desires of your own heart, but he will never take you to the place of pursuing Jesus Christ outright and forsaking the world. He says in verse six, we are of God. He that knoweth God heareth us. He that is not of God heareth not us. Hereby know we the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. So as you can see, if those who are willing to hear the truth, God may be working with them to pull them in. But if you've got those who won't receive it, don't take it personal, okay? The Bible says that if our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost in whom the God of this world, which is the devil, you know, blinded the minds of them that believe not. Unless the light of the glorious gospel, which is the image of Christ, should shine unto them. It's never personal between you and them. You tell them what they need to know. If they choose not to receive it, hey man, that's on them. That's not on me. I'll pray for them, but I'm going on to the next soul to see who can be one. When people can't hear the gospel, there is always a spiritual reason for it, unless they're deaf, you know, physically. But even in many cases, that could be demonic. But the point is, is we, our job is to tell the truth. If they won't believe it, nothing you can do. Matthew chapter 10, Matthew chapter 10. And you're going to even find out why not casting pearls before swine is even, you know, good for your continuation in the gospel. You know, a lot of the times Paul or Peter and these guys were always in places where, you know, riots would stir up, Pharisees wanted to kill them, things would happen. It wasn't them running as cowards. They were simply going on to the next town. Okay, this town won't receive it. Then the gospel is that precious. I must move on. I must go after these souls that well. So it's not about standing there in bravado. It's about actually going out and continuing the work of Christ, which is to preach his precious gospel. Matthew 10, look at verse one. He says, and when he had called unto him his 12 disciples, he gave them power against unclean spirits to cast them out and to heal all manner of sickness and all manner of disease. So Jesus allowed them to have the power, the authority and the dunamis to heal and cast out devils. He says, now the names of the 12 apostles are these, the first Simon, who is called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, Philip and Bartholomew, Thomas and Matthew, the publican, James, the son of Alphaeus, and, Le and Lebaeus, uh, whose surname was Thaddeus. Simon the Canaanite and Judas Iscariot, who also betrayed him. Notice when Jesus called these people, he had such a heavy anointing that when they had that, you know, they cast down their nets and followed him. There wasn't a whole lot of fighting with Jesus and people, except for who? The religious folks. Look at verse five. These 12 Jesus sent forth and commanded them saying, go not into the way of the Gentiles and into any city, of the Samaritans into ye not, but go rather to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. And as ye go, preach saying, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. So what we understand here is the Lord commanded them not to go into the Gentiles and the Samaritans because it must, it had to first begin with, you know, the children of Israel. 
once the children of Israel, you know, have received the spirit, he meant for the branches to, to go out and to win others, okay? So it began with Israel, they were his people. He was also going to give them the gospel first and the spirit that they may receive it and give it unto others. Just like he did in the days of Jacob or Abraham, God never had forsaken Israel. They were to be his example for the whole world. And it's not about racism, which a lot of Hebrew Israelites try and bring here, but they don't understand the truth about going forward and preaching the gospel. They want to hold on to a racist, you know, style of ministry. Uh, hey, brother twins or sister twins, I'm sorry if I don't know, <laughs> you know, uh, whether you're a man or a woman, but it says that they were to go and to preach the kingdom of heaven is at hand. He says, heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, cast out devils, freely ye have received, freely give. Provide neither gold nor silver nor brass in your purses, nor script for your journey, neither two coats, neither shoes, nor yet staffs, for the workman is worthy of his meat. So as he sent them, the Lord said, don't worry about what you're gonna need. I will provide those things for you. As you go and preach the gospel, you are going to find people that are going to meet you along the way that will take care of every need. This isn't begging. This is the workman being worthy of his meat. When you get out there for Jesus, he's not gonna leave you lacking. He will provide for you if he sent you. Look at verse 11. And into whatsoever city or town ye shall enter, inquire who it is uh, worthy and there abide till ye go, you go thence. What does he mean by them who are worthy? Those who are worthy are those who will receive the gospel, those who you can bestow your grace upon. He says, man, abide with them because after all, they believe. He says, and when ye come into an house, salute it. And if the house be worthy, let your peace come upon it. But if it be not worthy, let your peace return to you. And whosoever shall not receive you nor hear your words, when ye depart out of that house or city, shake off the dust of your feet. But verily I say unto you, it shall be more tolerable for the land of Sodom and Gomorrah in the day of judgment than for that city. So as you can see, it's never personal. This is all to do with preaching the gospel and letting the Lord control the end result. When he talks about kick the dust off your feet, you guys have ever seen your dog or your cat when they take a dump, okay? When they gotta let go of their ways, your cat will bury his. Your dog won't even take the chance to bury it. He'll just, you know, kick his hind legs over whatever it is and move on. The Bible is telling us this is exactly how we need to be. It's not personal. I did what I needed to do here. They refused to receive it. So you know what? And I'm moving on. You know, no ill feelings towards them. Not telling other brothers and sisters, hey man, don't go to that house because that's the devil. There's no need to do that. You told them the truth. They chose not to receive it. So here it is where he says, you know, that it will be more tolerable for Sodom and Gomorrah than for those who will not receive the gospel. Plain and simple. 
He says, behold, I send you forth as sheep in the midst of wolves. Be ye therefore wise as serpents and harmless as doves. Excuse me, and harmless as doves. Then he says, but beware of men, for they will deliver you up to the councils and they will scourge you in their synagogues. And ye shall be brought before governors and kings for my name's sake, for a testimony against them and the Gentiles. But when they deliver you up, take no thought or how or what ye shall speak, for it shall be given you in that same hour what ye shall speak. So the Lord made clear to them, guys, this is what it's all about. You're gonna go into dangerous territory to preach the gospel. You can't afford to put feelings into this other than to want to see people saved. And you know, he talked about that men would deliver them up for preaching the gospel. He says, for it is not for it is not ye that speak the spirit. It is not ye that speak, but the spirit of your father which speaketh in you. And the brother shall deliver the brother to death and the father the child and the children shall rise up against their parents and cause them to be put to death. And ye shall be hated of all men for my name's sake, but he that endureth to the end shall be saved. So the Lord didn't say, because all these things are gonna go on, abandon the mission. He told him to go forward doing it, but understand that the gospel is gonna cut very fine and very thin. It's gonna divide marriages. It's gonna separate siblings. It's gonna cause family members to one day be your enemy because they won't receive it. Hey, the same rules apply to them as it applies to the strangers in the street. If they will not receive it after you have tried to get them in, kick the dust off your feet and find someone that will. Now, some people could say, man, that's cold. That's not cold. You love them, but you cannot afford to waste time. Okay, you, you know, everybody is going to have a chance to receive the gospel. If they won't, then they don't want God. It's that simple. He says in verse 22, and ye shall be hated of all men for my name's sake, but he that endureth unto the end shall be saved. But when they persecute you in this city, flee ye into another, for verily I say unto you, ye shall not have gone over the cities of Israel till the son of man come, or son of man be come. The disciple is not above his master, nor the servant above his Lord. It is enough for the disciple that he be as his master and the servant as his Lord. If they have called the master of the house Beelzebub, how much more shall they call them of his household? So as you can see, guys, man, don't take the insults from people personal. If they called your Lord and Savior Beelzebub, Lord of the dunghill, Lord of the flies, if they called Jesus Christ the devil, what do you think they're gonna call you? You teach them, you tell them the gospel. If they won't receive it, kick the dust off your feet and don't cast your pearls before swine. He says, fear them not. Therefore, for there is nothing covered that shall not be revealed and hid that shall not be known. But I tell you in the darkness, what I tell you in the darkness that ye speak in the light and what ye hear in the ear, that preach ye upon the housetops. And fear not them which kill the body, but, but are not able to kill the soul, but rather fear him which is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. 
Are not two sparrows sold for a farthing and one of them shall not fall on the ground without your father, but the very hairs of your head are numbered. Fear ye not therefore, ye are of more value than many sparrows. Whosoever therefore shall confess me before men, him will I confess before my father which is in heaven. But whosoever shall deny me before men, him will I also deny before my father, which is in heaven. So that's why, guys, we got to get to the place where, hey, man, our job is to preach the gospel, confess Jesus Christ, because for the souls that we choose not to, for whatever reasons we might be going through, whether it's to cast pearls before swine, whether it's because you got some people believing, well, I need to take care of my family and preach to them first before I go out there to an unbeliever. God is no respecter of persons. What he preaches for us to do is preach the gospel. Man, man, matter of fact, not just one-on-one, -on -one, but if you truly believe what I tell you in private, man, go find the nearest rooftop and shout to the top of your lungs the gospel of Jesus Christ. Why? So that everyone will hear and there will be no misunderstanding. He says in verse 34, think not that I have come to send peace on earth came not to send peace, but a sword. So God knows through preaching the gospel, you're going to have some conflict. This is normal. Persecution is normal. These are things that we're going to have to endure. He says um, in verse 35, for I am come to set a man at variance against his father and the daughter against her mother and the daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law and a man's foes shall be they of his own household. So the Lord is telling us this in advance. So let's get ready for it. Let's, let's you know, understand that this thing is 100% spiritual. This is not a personal situation. Our job is to tell the truth by any means, because it says a man's foes will be they of his household. Do you know how many people will preach the gospel in the street but won't bring it to their husbands, their wives, or their children because they're trying to keep their earthly peace? And what are they doing? They're denying the Lord, okay? And, you know, look at verse 37. He that loveth father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. And he that loveth son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And he that taketh not his cross and followeth after me is not worthy of me. So we got to get to the place of, like I said, don't be a respecter of persons. Everyone should be able to receive the gospel. But either, even with family members, you can't determine the outcome. If you've got unsaved children, you know, and you got all these things happening in your life. Hey, man, I got to go and preach what God tells me. I told my kids, I told my wife, I told my husband, I've just got to live for the Lord and do what the Lord says. Just because you got marital problems at home does not mean that you should not be out trying to win souls and preach the gospel. We must get out of self, we must give it over to Jesus Christ, and we must yield to him, or we will, you know, cast pearls before swine. So he says, He that findeth his life shall lose it and he that loseth his life for my sake shall find it. So we must get rid of our reputation. We can't care about how we're received in the world, but what we must do is preach the gospel. If people don't want it, so be it. But I've got to go on with the Lord. Like I said, don't stop praying for people, 
but man, you've got to move on to those who will receive it. Win your first soul and see what it does to you. It's going to make you desire to have that feeling of winning more souls because you truly do begin to get an understanding. This is all God is looking for. Your reputation intact does not matter to the Lord. What matters most is that we win souls to Jesus. Let me, uh, you know, I'm going to go to another scripture. I'll get to the article if I can. So matter of fact, let's go to uh, Luke 20, I mean, Matthew 21. Matthew 21, and I, I am going to read this article real quick, that we truly have an understanding about persecution. This is called, All Who Will Live Godly in Christ Jesus Suffer Persecution. Okay, I could have had this for the other night's teaching, but no time like the present. So it says, persecution includes verbal and nonverbal abuses, slander, oppression, victimization, uh, harassment, bullying, witch hunt, tyranny, etc. Persecution arises from hate, hatred, lack of love. Uh, every person who persecutes another lacks love. You know, even Christians can persecute one another. It says, well, not real Christians, but it says, Every person in, in Jesus Christ is hated by the world, thus the world will persecute them. John 15, 18 through 17 says, if the world hate you, you know that it hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love his own. But because you are not of the world, but um, I have chosen you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. So see guys, this is absolutely normal that people will begin to hate you for the gospel's sake. They did it to Jesus. And Jesus assured us of persecution saying, if they have persecuted me, they will also persecute you. In Jesus Christ, persecution is assured until the day we join our Lord Jesus Christ in his kingdom. The question is, are you persecuted? If you are not persecuted in one way or another for Christ's sake, you are not in Jesus Christ, no matter how much you claim with your mouth. You are not persecuted because you are of the world and the world does not persecute its own. Satan lies to many that Jesus Christ, uh, Jesus Christ, what that in Jesus Christ, you live in peace with the world. It is a lie. How can you live in peace in a world we are commanded to hate and hate everything in it. <laughs> That's the truth. How can you live in peace in the world that rejects the Prince of Peace? So Jesus is the epitome of peace. So if you were to take Jesus out of the midst, how can you have peace in the world that hates the Prince of Peace? It says the world will never be in peace until the Prince of Peace returns. Peace is only in those living godly in Christ Jesus for the Holy Spirit who dwells in them is the peace. Uh, the time you come in, uh, Jesus Christ, you have to accept to be hated and persecuted by the world, even by your own. Remember, Jesus was persecuted by his own, the Jews, even his family. In Jesus Christ, your own family, brothers, sisters, parents, relatives, etc., will persecute you until the day they come uh, join you in Jesus Christ. Many of our family members claiming to be in Jesus Christ are not. 
The other question you should ask yourself is, are you the one persecuted or you are the one persecuting others? It is in the world that per it is the world, sorry, that persecutes those in Jesus Christ. It is Satan who persecutes. Every person persecuting a person in Jesus Christ is of the world and, and Satan. Remember, Satan is the spirit in people. That's why when we preach, we must know that a lot of the times we're gonna cross demonic entities with the truth. You know, people housed with demons, but you know, our job is not to take it personal, it's to preach. Satan thrives on lies, gossip, slander, murmuring, abuses, bullying, etc., And all these things are with his people. It is Satan's um, world who persecute Jesus Christ's servants. Every person abusing, slandering, uh, speaking against and persecuting a, a, a Jesus Christ servant accompanied by miracles and signs and wonders is of Satan. Remember the kingdom of God is not in word, but in power. Thus every Jesus Christ servant sent, uh, sent by him has a uh, power, uh, thus signs, miracles, and wonders follow them all. The easiest way uh, to know a Jesus servant or Jesus Christ servant uh, sent by Jesus Christ is to look for power in action. The signs, miracles, and wonders which were with Jesus and spoken in Mark 16, 15 through 18. Power, signs, miracles, and wonder confirms that Jesus Christ is working with that person. Mark 16 and 20, and they went out and preached everywhere, the Lord working with them and confirming the, the, um, the word with signs following. Amen. It says every person sent by Jesus Christ to preach his gospel is persecuted. If you are preaching the gospel and the world is celebrating you, you are in Satan. Majority of people claiming to be in Jesus Christ are not, but hypocrites, and many preaching the gospel are not sent by Jesus Christ. Kingdom of heaven is for those persecuted for Christ's sake. Uh, this is Matthew 5 and 10. Blessed are they which are persecuted for righteousness' sake, but theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when they persecute you for Christ's sake. That's Matthew 5 and 11. It says, bless them uh, that persecute you. That's Romans 12 and 14. He says to bless and not to curse. The time you come to Jesus Christ and believed in him, uh, you have accepted to be a soldier in Christ. That's 2 Timothy 2, 3 and 4. Soldiers are people of war and in war, there is no peace. Uh, this means uh, for the rest of your life on earth in Jesus Christ, you will be in war with the world and the dark kingdom. Do not let Satan lie to you that in Jesus Christ is a place of peace with the world because they, uh, uh, because the time, they put they, but they meant to say, the time you accept his doctrine, you will have fallen to his kingdom of darkness. Persecution is a war that takes many away from Jesus Christ. Many come to Jesus Christ, but when persecution comes, they run for peace with their persecutors, which is Satan, uh, for them to live 
and false peace. Uh, that is Satan's way. They are the seed sown in stony ground. And when persecution and affliction arise, for Christ's sake, they stumble. So as you can see, you can't come into this thing, one, casting pearls before swine, but two, not being able to receive what the swine will do to you for preaching the gospel. Uh, Mark six, uh, 4, uh, 16 and 17, it says, these are they likewise, which are sown on stony ground, who when they uh, have heard the word, immediately receive it with gladness and have no root in themselves. So endure but for a time afterwards when affliction or persecution arises for the word's sake immediately they stumble. That's why Jesus said it's not good enough that we hear the words, but that we also you know, um, do the things that Jesus says. Why? So that our houses can be built up and when persecution and tribulation arise, we'll be all right. You know, we will stand on good ground, which is in Jesus and not yield to the winds or the storms that are coming our way. Every person in Jesus Christ is ready to be persecuted unto death for Christ's sake. Are you ready to die for Jesus Christ's sake? Uh, this differentiates the hypocrite and the true bride of Christ, because the true bride of Christ knows till death do you part. True brides of Christ uh, do not fear persecution unto death because Jesus defeated death and rose from the dead. Thus true brides of Christ have died with Christ. Therefore they do not fear death, dying for Christ's sake. Be happy in persecution, even if it's under, unto death, and like Jesus, his disciples, Paul, Stephen, etc., forgive those who persecute you. Being persecuted testifies you are in Jesus Christ, for all who live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. Endure the persecution now, because after the church is taken, during the great tribulation period, Satan will have power to kill all who believe in Jesus Christ. Now, when they talk about, you know, getting taken, I'm not for the pre-tribulation rapture. So I disagree with this person. But, you know, during the great tribulation period, we are going to go through. But that's when you're going to determine the bride from the harlot. All right. So let's get back into the scripture. But I will put this in the description box so that you guys may look it over. Look at... uh. Let's look at Luke 21 and let's look at verse 18. I mean, Matthew, sorry guys, Matthew 21 and 18. I know some of you are already there. So you see, man, don't let persecution get you down. People call you names and all that. Don't try and hang around them continuously for peace sake. Move forward and serve the Lord. Matthew 21 and 18. He says, now in the morning, as he returned into the city, he hungered. And when he saw a fig tree in the way, he came to it and found nothing thereon but leaves only and said unto it, let no fruit grow on thee henceforward forever. And presently the fig tree withered away. And when the disciples saw it, they marveled saying, how soon is the fig tree withered away? Jesus answered and said unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, if ye have faith and doubt not, ye shall not only do this, which is done to the fig tree, 
but also if ye shall say unto this mountain, be thou removed and be thou cast into the sea, it shall be done. In all things whatsoever ye shall ask and prayer of believing, sorry, you shall receive. And when he was come into the temple, the chief priest and the elders of the temple came unto him and he was teaching and said by what he was teaching uh, and said by what authority doest thou these things and who gave thee this authority so this is what they're saying to Jesus and the elders who gave you authority to come in here and preach and do what you're doing and Jesus answered and said unto them i also will ask you one thing which if ye uh, tell me, I in likewise will tell you by what authority I do these things. The baptism of John, whence was it from? Well, whence was it? From heaven or from men? And they reasoned with themselves saying, if we shall say from heaven, um, he will say unto us, why did we not believe him? But, um, but when we shall see, but if we shall say of men, we fear the people for all hold John as a prophet. And they answered uh, Jesus and said, we cannot tell. And he said unto them, neither tell I you by what authority I do these things. Why did Jesus do that to them? Because we must understand if they heard John and they heard the true gospel that John had preached, then they would have been able to receive Jesus Christ. But because they had, you know, they didn't receive the messenger, they would know, they would not, sorry, have received Jesus Christ himself. So for them asking what authority is a moot point because they can't even hear the true gospel. So he said, if you don't even know what John's ministry was about, then neither should I tell you by what authority I do what I do because you don't even want to receive the truth. So he, you know, that, that shut their mouths. Look at verse 28. But what think ye of a certain man had two sons? And he came to the first and said, son, go work today in my vineyard. He answered and said, I will not. But afterwards he repented and went. And he came to the second and said, likewise. And uh, he answered and said, I go, I go, sir, and went not. Whither of them twain, uh, did the will of his father. They say unto him the first, Jesus saith unto them, verily I say unto you, that the publicans and the harlots go into the kingdom of God before you. Why? Because the, the Pharisees were the ones that said that they would go and didn't go. They claimed to know God. They claimed to have received the truth, but they weren't living it and walking in it. But what about those who didn't start out Pharisees and Sadducees or those who call themselves religions? They chose not to go. But then they later repented and said, you know what? God is right. I'm going to go. And then they said, well, yeah, naturally the one that went and repented is the one that will be received. And that's why he says, and I say unto you that even the, par I mean, even the publicans and the harlots go into the kingdom of God before you. Jesus kicked the dust off his feet with these people. If you won't receive the truth, there's nothing I can do about it. All I can do is go to the publican, go to the harlot, go to the pimp, go to the, all the sinners and, and speak to them about receiving it. They made it into the kingdom and these religious leaders did not because they refused to see the truth that Jesus Christ was telling them. 
Jesus did not try and determine these men's outcome. He did not try and determine, hey guys, I see you won't receive it, but I'm gonna keep pecking and poking. He got to a place with them where he said, you know what? I can tell you're not gonna receive it. So I'm gonna work with who will. That's what it is to not cast your pearls before swine. That's what it is to kick the dust off your feet. Jesus didn't try and determine their outcome. He told them the truth and they refused, but the harlots and the publicans received. Therefore, they will make it in. It's not up to us. It's up to Jesus Christ. Look at Matthew 23. Matthew 23, look at verse one. He says, then spake Jesus to the multitude and to his disciples saying, the scribes and Pharisees sit in Moses' seat. All therefore whatsoever they bid you, observe that observe and do, but do not after their works, for they say and do not. For they bind heavy burdens and grievous to be borne and lay them on men's shoulders, but they themselves will not move them with one of their fingers, but all their works they do for to be seen of men, they make broad their phylacteries and enlarge the borders of their garments. So these people only care about being seen. And you see that will never hold up in persecution. That will make you desire to be with the, uh, the sinner and have peace with him because you can't take the persecution. Those who go out there for Christ already know I'm dead to self, I'm alive to Jesus, and I'm only doing the will of Jesus. But for those who are out there to be seen, so everybody can see I'm the man in town, everybody loves me, knows me, and desires me. See, Lord, I'm doing your will, look at me now. I'm preaching the gospel, you know, so naturally I'm a man of God. They won't be able to stand up. Because you see, when they're not received of the people, they are going to try and make peace with the people and they'll no longer preach the gospel. You see, this is why we must, if we're not doing it for Jesus, we got no other reason to do it. And I feel the Lord killing me every day. I do, because I don't care to argue and prove my point to people anymore. People can believe what they want. Don't you know, no matter what you do, someone's always gonna try and talk about you. They're always gonna try and send subliminal message to try and down you. If you're busy for the kingdom of God, you don't care what people think. And I'm beginning not to care what people think. If they don't like it, you got the number one solution that you can do with this. You can walk away from it. If this is not for you, then turn it off. I don't need a fruit inspector. I don't need to be critiqued. I don't need to be compared to you or to anybody else. If you don't like it, turn it off. All I'm interested in are for those who will receive it. For those who won't, man, I don't care what you think. And you know, we've got to get to that place. I don't care what people think of me. I only care what Jesus thinks. The man with the 10 talents didn't turn to the man with the two and tell him, well, you see, I got 10, but you see him over there, he's got two. That ought to show you he's not as productive as I am. I'm like this, good. Good for you. If you got it, go and do what you're supposed to do. You don't need to pay attention to me. Go and do what you're supposed to do in Christ. That's what we got to get to. Die to self, guys. Be alive to Christ. 
and only go according to how Jesus Christ sees you. Get to know him, let him build you, let him do what he needs to do. As far as your critics out there, you're always going to be critiqued. Don't cast your pearls before swine. If they won't receive it, let them go and go look for those who will. That's what you've got to do. Verse six, he says, they love the uppermost rooms at feast and chief seats in the synagogues and greetings in the markets and to be called of men, rabbi, rabbi. But be not ye called rabbi, for one is your master, even Christ, and all ye are brethren. And call no man your father uh, upon the earth, for one is your father, uh, which is in heaven. Neither be ye called masters, for one is your master, even Christ. And he that is greatest among you shall be your servant. And whosoever shall exalt himself shall be abased. And he that shall humble himself shall be exalted. So this is what it's all about. Humble yourself. People, man, to try and compare you to them and talk up mess and all. Man, whatever, talk your mess wherever you want to. Because for those who exalt self, they're going to be abased. But for those who will humble themselves, they will be exalted. Man, you gotta pay attention to what God says. Forget people, you'll never please man. If that's why you're doing what you're doing, you may as well not even waste your time. Do not cast your pearls before swine. Preach the gospel to every creature. He that believes and is baptized will be saved. If they believe not, then they will be damned, period. He says in verse 13, but woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for ye shut up the kingdom of heaven against men, for ye neither go in yourselves, neither suffer ye them that are entering to go in. Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for ye devour widows' houses and for a pretense make long prayer. Therefore, shall, shall, um, ye shall receive the greater condemnation. So as you can see, when you're ministering and you're going out there, there's a responsibility that you have towards God. It's about upholding what he calls you to. It's about doing what he says. And that's why the Lord is teaching me more and more to be careful with what I say. Why? Because we know that it's not an easy thing to make it into the kingdom. But you know, if we're trying to beat down people trying to make their way in, then we're gonna to answer to the Lord for that. It's one thing to edify in godly ways, to tell people where they're, of course things will happen, but it's only meant for you to change and to receive Christ. But you see a lot of people out there that are preaching the stuff that they're preaching, they're doing these things because of the fact that they want people you know, to follow them, but not go after Christ. We can't preach double messages. We've got to be upfront with people. There are a lot of people that have left this ministry and gone on and preached the gospel and did what they did. You know what, I'm happy for them because I'm not validated by them being around me. I want them to go and do what God tells them to. But if I want to be seen and accepted by others, then man, I'm going to you know, preach a double message. I'm gonna tell you go and pursue Christ, but in my heart, I want you to follow me. And when you do that, you are wasting your time. We've got to let God deal with people, work with people, help people grow, but we are not to cast our pearls before swine. And many have left here unbelieving. You know what? I wish him the best, but you know, I'm not gonna waste my time for those who don't want it. If God is making the separation, let him go, let him go. 
And if they find someplace better that can help build them up, then hey, I'm happy for you. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus, that this person fell into the kingdom. But to follow after me, I'm nobody to follow. I'm just here to preach the word, to tell people the truth. They can accept it or they can reject it. Okay, thank you, Sister Sarah. You know, she was talking about the connection being skipped. You know, and that's why, uh, yeah, so look at verse 15. Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for ye can pass sea and land to make one proselyte, and when he is made, you make him twofold more the child of hell than yourselves. That's why we must preach the proper doctrine to people. We don't want men to follow us. We want men to follow Christ. Woe unto you, um, woe unto you, ye blind gods, which say, whosoever shall swear by the temple, it is nothing. But whosoever shall swear by the gold of the temple, he is a debtor. Ye fools and blind, for whether is greater, the gold or the temple that sanctifieth the gold. And whosoever shall swear by the altar, it is nothing. But uh, whosoever sweareth by the gift, that is upon it, he is guilty. Ye fools and blind, for whether is greater, the gift or the altar that sanctifieth the gift. That's why we must follow Jesus Christ. We can't put anything before him. A lot of people will go to church, honor their pastor, and give him all the glory, and they never make it up with to Jesus. Why? Because they're so interested in pleasing men. We, we did a teaching just a few weeks ago called Men Pleasers. If you haven't seen it, I suggest you do. Because you see, to please men makes you not the servant of God. When you seek to please God, you don't care what men think. What they may hear, what they may see, what they may think, maybe, you know, well, yeah, he ain't good enough. It ain't this, it ain't that. You know what? I don't care. I'm going forward with what I am called to do. You think John the Baptist or Elijah was worried about how they looked before men? They would have never been able to serve the, serve the Lord. You think Jesus cared how he was viewed before men? Of course not. He went forward and he preached the gospel. You've got to be the same way. Don't be a respect of persons. Don't look to glorify men or be a part of what any man is doing. If God draws men together to get a job done, then praise the Lord. But anything else outside of that seeking to please men, you can call me what you want. You can say what you want. I'm not here for you. I'm here to do what God says. And if you've got a problem with that, then there's something wrong with you. But get off my back, okay? Because I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing. That's how we got to walk in this. We can't care what men think. We got to do what God wants us to. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. Look at Luke 14. But he was just proving the Pharisees, man, they got a lot of mouth. They say a lot of things. They do a lot of things, but they can't walk it. You got to disregard those people and go and do it yourself. As you get older in this thing, man, and you grow, the more time you spend with the Lord, you're going to stop trying to impress people. You really will. It becomes very, very old. I agree with Pastor Price. We need a base camp. We need to get in a place where we can do things, man, and get stuff done. Because after a while, this talking 
you feel like you're talking into a dead phone. But you know, we're only preaching to the remnant out there. I don't have a whole lot of views and a lot of people listening to this, but Jesus said a lot of people wouldn't anyway. You know, that's just the way it is. You've got to go forward and do what God tells you to because we're not gonna all bring in the same harvest. That's not gonna be it. I'm not counting how many people other people are bringing in. I'm, I'm you know, desiring to be faithful to what he's called me to do. Derek Prince said that a while back. He said that there would be people that, you know, because they don't feel like they have the talents of others or they, they, you know, they don't have this big anointing that they won't even use the little anointing that God has given them. And any anointing that God gives people, it's not little, nor, you know, you can't demean it. But I'm just bringing up the point that we've got to use what we have. We've got to spend time with the Lord hear from heaven and do God's will. That's what this is all about. So look at Luke 14, look at verse 16. He says, then said he unto him, a certain man uh, made a great supper and bade many, he invited many, and sent his servant at supper time to say to them that were bidden, come for all things are now ready. And they all with one consent began to make excuse. The first said unto him, I have bought a piece of ground and must need and I must needs uh, go and see it. I pray thee, have me excused. And another said, I have bought five yoke of oxen, and I go to prove them. I pray thee, have me excused. And another said, I have married a wife, and therefore I cannot come. So as you can see, these guys have tons of excuses of why they can't get to know Jesus Christ, why they are not seeking the kingdom of heaven, nor do they want to do the will of the Lord. But look at what he says in verse 21. Excuse me. So that servant came. Oof. I don't know why I'm like, man, yawning a lot. Forgive me, guys. So this is verse 21. And it looks like they're messing with my connection. But verse 21 says, so that servant came and shewed his Lord these things. Then the master of the house being angry said unto his servant, go out quickly into the streets and lanes of the city and bring in hither the poor and the maimed and the halt and the blind. And the servant said, Lord, it is done and th as thou hast commanded and yet there is room. And the Lord said unto the servant, go out into the highways and hedges and compel them to come in. Look at the word compel. This is G315. That word is to necessitate, compel, drive to, constrain by force or threat. Or threat. So you know you're not forcing the person, but like through threats. Hey man, the kingdom of heaven, you're gonna burn in hell if you don't give your life to the Lord. That's not trying to you know violate somebody's free will. That's just telling them the truth by permission, entreaties, et cetera, by other means to constrain. So you want people to come in, you know, you wanna tell people the truth. And it says, and the servant said, Lord, it is done. Oh, okay, compel them to come in that my house may be filled. For I say unto you that none of those men which were bidden shall taste of my supper. So there are a lot of people invited, many are called but few are chosen because some people were too busy to serve the Lord. Is that your problem? 
or is that between them and the Lord? Of course, it's between them and the Lord. All you've got to do is tell people the truth. If they receive it not, it's between them and God. He says for those who he had bade to come, they wouldn't come. So what did he say to do? Man, go out into the highways and hedges, get the lame, the maimed, the halt, and the blind. Get, I don't care who they are. If they will receive it, get them in here so that my house may be filled. That's exactly the attitude that we've got to have concerning God's gospel. It's too precious to hold back and to hold up for the sake of people. Look at verse 25. And there went great multitudes with him. And he turned and said unto them, if any man will come to me and hate not his father and his mother and his wife and children and brethren and sisters, yea, and his own life also, he cannot be my disciple. And whosoever doth not bear his cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. So he says, if you love mother, father, wife, husband, son, or daughter, or your own life more than Jesus Christ, you can't be a disciple of Christ because while he's calling you to preach the word, you're gonna find yourself staying in familiar territory, wasting your time with people who won't do it. You've got to go, not respect persons, preach the word, tell people the truth so that souls can be saved. Because you know, I'm guilty of this. There's times I'm in a supermarket and you know, I got work the next day and I'm rushing and doing what I need to do. But I'm sitting there looking at all these unsaved people, but I'm thinking about checking out my bags and walking out. You see how going according to the world schedule keeps you from doing the things that God wants? What about their souls? I may get a good night's sleep and I may arrive to work the next day feeling good that I'm on time and I'm doing my job. But what about those eight people that I left in the supermarket that had the chance to receive Christ? You see, if we really want to win souls, we got to be serious about it. You know, we got to really desire to. But you see, a lot of the times we don't do it in places like that because of the fact that we know that, you know, we might get embarrassed in the store. You know, we might care that people see me preaching the gospel. See, we can't be in that place. We've got to really go after those souls if they won't receive it. See, it's that simple. You tell them the truth, they won't receive it. Man, kick the dust off your feet. It doesn't even matter. You know, in your spare time, guys, look at, go, let's go to James 1. And, and uh, in your spare time, look at 2 Corinthians chapter 7, where the Bible says that godly sorrow bringeth forth repentance. A truly repentant person is going to turn from their ways and truly desire the Lord by any means. You know, but when someone is just wasting time playing games, playing church, yeah, you'll be sitting there preaching to them for 10 years and they still won't receive it. Why? Because they're only there to waste your time. They're only there to find something to do, but it never really struck them in the heart. You know, and in your spare time, read John uh, 8, verses 44 through 59, how Jesus kept saying to the Pharisees, why do you not believe me? You know, why do you not hear my words? But they wouldn't because their father was of the devil. You must understand that for people who don't receive the gospel, their father is the devil. It's a war between Jesus and the devil. Our job is to just pass the buck, tell the truth. 
man, we could get to a lot more people. One thing about the Mormons and the Jehovah Witnesses, as flawed as their doctrine is, as insane as their gospel is or their word, they still win in people. You know why? Because they go after everybody. A Jehovah Witness, if he knocked on his door right now and tried to preach to me and I told him, I didn't receive it, I don't like your doctrine, it's fake, it's phony, which is the truth, they will scratch your name off the list and go to the house right next door. They're not discouraged and they may get cursed out by then. Then they'll go downstairs and talk to somebody else. They won't receive it. They're not discouraged. They will. They have learned to be rejected and to continue with what they believe, no matter how flawed it is. As a Christian who is in the truth, we've got to get in this place too, where we tell people the truth, no matter what they think of us. If they won't receive it, don't cast your pearls before swine, move on. Okay, so I wanna read one thing real quick. And um, matter of fact, let's go to Second Peter chapter two, and then I'll read what uh, true godly sorrow is. Second Peter chapter two. And I'm gonna close from there, guys. We're not going too long tonight. Second Peter two, and let's look at verse one. It says, but there were, sorry guys, but there were false prophets also among the people, even as there shall be false teachers among you who shall privily or sneakily bring in damnable heresies, even denying the Lord that bought them and bring upon themselves swift destruction. So as you tell people the truth, they don't receive it. He made clear, hey, they're bringing upon themselves swift destruction. Our job is just to tell the truth. And many shall follow their pernicious ways by reason of whom the way of truth shall be evil spoken of. There's nothing you can do about that. I'm telling people the truth. Me telling you the truth will be evil spoken of for those who will not receive it. And through covetousness or greediness, shall they with feigned words make merchandise of you, whose judgment now of a long time lingereth not, and their damnation slumbereth not. So, you know, to go and tell a Joe Olstein or Creflo Dollar or T.D. Jakes or any other false minister out there the truth, if they won't receive it, kick the dust off their feet. The Bible's making clear here, their damnation slumbereth not. God hasn't forgotten. God is gonna deal with them at the time appointed, but he's giving people grace to turn. We are also not responsible for other people's grace. We're responsible for our own. In our grace, we, we give our lives to the Lord. We do the things that God tells us to. We grow stronger in him. We forsake the world and we preach the gospel. If they won't receive it, you're not responsible for that. Just tell them the truth. Look at verse four. For if God spared not the angels that sinned, but cast them down to hell, and deliver them into chains of darkness to be reserved unto judgment, and spared not the old world, but saved Noah the eighth person, a preacher of righteousness, bringing in the flood upon the world of the ungodly. So as you can see, Noah was a preacher of righteousness. They didn't receive it. No, Noah didn't feel that bad about the people where he would go out there and, you know, well, Lord, stop the boat, stop the flood. Let me go out there and see if I can get more. Once he preached and no one would receive, 
at the time of the flood, all bets were off. The preaching has ceased. Now I'm going on with the Lord. Noah kicked the dust off his feet. Okay, look at verse six. And turning the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah into ashes, condemned them with an overthrow, making them an example unto those that should live ungodly. So as you can see, our example would be to preach to Christ and tell people the truth, but these people will make an example of themselves of those who wouldn't receive it. Lot told the people, don't do so wickedly. The angels came and tried, tried to get Lot's family out of there. They wouldn't go. They burned with, you know, with us, Sodom and Gomorrah. Lot's wife, who did escape Sodom and Gomorrah, but as she was going, she didn't know how to kick the dust off her feet. She turned and looked back because her heart was with Sodom and Gomorrah and she became fixed that way. When God tells you it's time to move, it's time to move because I'm not gonna be a pillar of salt for anybody. I tell you the truth, you don't believe it. Hey man, there's more souls to save. We'll go into the next town and preach to more people. Verse seven, and deliver just lot vexed with the filthy conversation of the wicked. For that righteous man dwelling among them in seeing and hearing, vexed his righteous soul from day to day with their unlawful deeds. The Lord knoweth how to deliver the godly out of temptations and to reserve the unjust unto the day of judgment. But chiefly them that walk after the flesh in the lust of uncleanness and despise government, Presumptuous are they, self-willed. They are not afraid to speak evil of dignity. So you're gonna find people, no matter what you show them in the Bible, no matter what miracles are performed, no matter what things are done, they despise God's government. They do not want the Lord. They do not want more evidence. They do not want Jesus Christ. You know, more homosexuals would get saved today if you had the mentality to preach the gospel, and if they wouldn't receive it, kick the dust off your feet. But instead, you got a generation of people today, you got churches today that don't wanna preach it, don't wanna tell people, don't wanna tell people in the workplace, don't wanna tell people in the restaurant that they're in or wherever they are on the street. They care about being ridiculed, mocked, or being thrown in jail for saying homosexuality is a sin. But if we had more of the mentality to just tell people. And if they didn't receive it, man, let the Lord plant the seed. I told them it was a sin. But do you know why it's growing so fast today? Because a lot of people are not even being told that it's a sin. A lot of people will criticize them. Oh, look at them nasty homosexual. Look at them. Man, that is just so disgusting. Yeah, and with all you just said, you could have gone across the street and told them but instead you use that opportunity to put them down because you got no desire to win souls anyhow. If they don't receive it, kick the dust off your feet. I ministered to a homosexual a few months ago and I knew he was one. I went and talked to him and I mean, you should have seen the veins popping out of his neck. This guy's a pretty quiet, tender kind of person. But man, when I preach Christ, man, he looked like a roaring lion yelling at me and I'm telling him, Hey man, you don't need to scream at me. I'm right here, I'm just talking to you about Christ. And he was going off. But in the end, I just said, hey man, I pray you get saved, have a good day. What am I gonna do, tackle him? 
What am I going to threaten him? You'll be yelling in my face and you will receive Christ. For what? I told him what he needed to know. He went off. I kicked the dust off my feet and I'll go after another homosexual needing salvation. What? It's not that big a deal if we just go and do what the Lord says. More people would get saved. So he says these people are presumptuous, they're self-willed, they are not afraid to speak evil of dignities, there's no fear of the Lord, and they're following the lust of their own uncleanness, not desiring the Lord. Verse 11, whereas angels which are greater in power and might bring not railing accusations against them before the Lord. So even the angels of God know how to watch their mouths. So who are we to not watch ours? We better be very careful what we say to people because even the angels won't rail an accusation against certain people. Remember when the devil was fighting with, um, with uh, Mo, uh, not Moses, uh, Michael over the body of Moses? Now, Michael could have gone after him, but, Mo, but Michael said, the Lord rebuked thee because he didn't want to get himself out there in harm's way, you know, because he wasn't under his own authority. We've got to learn to be the same way. Hey, I preach of the oracles of Christ. I tell people the truth. If they won't receive it, it's not personal to me. I'm not going to argue and try and fight you and call you names because you don't believe. That's dangerous territory. Why? Because one minute you're claiming to represent Christ, and the next minute you're, you're you know, slamming people and doing the things you're doing, not in the ways of Jesus. When you represent Christ, you got to have him govern every part of you. If they don't receive it, you don't get out of character with what God is calling you to do. Hey, you know what? I'll pray for you, brother. I wish you well. All right. So anyway, look at what he says about those people that won't receive Christ. Verse 12. But these are natural brute beasts made to be taken and destroyed. Uh, speak evil of the things that they understand not and shall utterly perish in their own corruption and shall receive the reward of unrighteousness as they that counted pleasure to ride in the daytime. Spots they are and blemishes, sporting themselves with their own deceivings while they feast with you. So you see, you're not gonna be able to make people you know, receive this. You tell them the truth, but a lot of these people are self-willed. You know, they, they are in their own deceivings and they truly need intervention of God. But if we don't have the guts enough to speak up and tell people the truth, then what do we think is gonna happen? Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. If we tell, if we um, have heard the gospel that has saved our souls and got us in line with Jesus, then we need to give other people the opportunity. If they don't receive it, that's not up to you. Hey, brother Mike, Mike. So anyway, he says in verse 14, having eyes full of adultery and that cannot cease from sin, beguiling unstable souls and heart they, uh, and heart they have exercised with covetous practices, cursed children. For having forsaken the right way or gone astray, following the way of Balaam, the son of Bozer, and loved the wages of unrighteousness, or who loved the wages of unrighteousness, but was rebuked for his iniquity. The dumb ass speaking uh, with man's voice forbade the madness of the prophet. 
So as you can see, Balaam was on his way doing something bad, but the dumb ass, which was the donkey speaking, you know, got him back in line with what he needed to have. But if we don't tell people, how will people know? We worry too much about self and not enough about the things of God. I believe that's in number 16. You can read that story. If I'm wrong, um, somebody correct me. But I believe that was the story of Balaam and the donkey. But anyway, verse 17, these are wells without water, no Holy Ghost, clouds that are carried by a tempest, not by the will of God, to whom the midst of darkness is reserved forever, which is hell. Those who will not allow the Lord to govern their lives, the only place for them is darkness and a lake of fire. So that's not personal. Look at verse 18. For when they speak great swelling words of vanity, they allure through the lust of the flesh, through much wantingness, those that were clean escaped from who live in error. While they promised them liberty, they themselves are the servants of corruption, for of whom a man is overcome, of the same is he brought into bondage. So, you know, you got a lot of false prophets out there deceiving people, doing the things they're doing. But like he said, if you can um, preach the gospel to your brother and he receives it, you save him from a multitude of sins. But if they don't receive it, it's between them and the Lord. And that's why I love in Matthew 18, when the Lord spoke about, you know, how to get your brother right. He says to go and tell them their error. Oh, thank you. Numbers 22. Thank you, guys. Numbers 22, 21 through 39. I believe that number 16 was the uh, gainsaying of Korah. Okay, so thank you. But the point is, is if, if you know, you tell people the truth and they won't receive it, the Lord says, go and get two or three other people with you to tell them. If they don't believe it, and this is for a church person, you know, they won't receive it, then go bring it before the church. If they won't listen to the church or believe it, then man, cut them off and have them as a heathen man and wandering around. They're out of the church. But that's kicking the dust off your feet. I tell you the truth, you don't want it. You refuse to believe it. You're still preaching false gospel and doing what you're doing. Not my problem. It's between you and the Lord. I told you. So it says, uh, while they promise them liberty, they themselves are the servants of corruption, for of whom a man is overcome of the same uh, is he brought into bondage. And if after they have escaped the pollutions of the world through the knowledge of the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, they are again entangled therein and overcome and the latter end worse of, uh, with them than the beginning. So, you know, Jesus says in Luke uh, chapter 11, that for those who will receive the gospel, I mean, you know, for those who are following the Lord to stay on that path, but when an unclean spirit has been cast out of a man, that spirit wandereth through through uh, dark places or wet or dry places, seeking rest and finding none. And the demon is always desiring to get back into you and take you over. But when the demon finds, you know, that your house is swept and garnished, no Holy Ghost, you're not following God doing what he says, then he's gonna take seven other demons more wicked than himself and the later state of that person will be worse than the first. That's why we can't fool around with sin. We got to get in line with the Lord because if we won't receive the truth, and I've seen this happen to people preaching the gospel to them. 
You ever preach the gospel to someone who was headed in a bad direction, but they wouldn't really, you know, receive it. They kept doing what they were doing. And then you find them next time you see them, they look far worse than they did before. And I mean, they're going through far worse because each time, you know, the gospel is presented and people won't receive it and they turn their backs to it. Then the devil gets a legal right to move in even further with you and take over even more of your life. So that's dangerous territory. But he's speaking about the saint. For those who got saved and sanctified to go back to the sin, that they will be worse than the first. The worst thing that we can do is go right back to the vomit, right back to the dunghill, right back to the filth after God has delivered us from it, because from there we're going to be dealing with more demons. Verse 21, for it had been better for them not to have known the way of righteousness than after they had known it to turn from the holy commandment delivered unto them. And that's why when we have the gospel, this is another important thing. We're not just preaching the gospel to win souls. We're preaching the gospel as a witness that they have been told that God may judge people righteously. Of course, our goal is to win souls. But if they won't receive it, it's between them and the Lord. So he says in verse 22, but it has happened unto them, according to the true proverb, the dog is turned to his own vomit again, and the sow, which is the pig that was washed to her, wallowing in the mire. So you see, we tell people what they need to know to get people saved. If people don't want it, guys, that is not up to us. I'm going to read this quick thing on uh, godly sorrow because, you know, a lot of us as Christians, we may struggle through things. We may go through things, but, you know, we just have to tell people the truth that, you know, they will receive Christ. This is five signs of godly sorrow. Let's look at this and then I'll close from here. So that way we don't find ourselves wasting our time. People who won't receive it, hey, man, we got all these other souls to win. He says the Apostle Paul was clear in, first Corinthians, uh, in, in 2 Corinthians, sorry, chapter 7 and 10, that godly sorrow produces repentance. This means that where there are no, where there is no sorrow, repentance is suspect. But where does this godly sorrow come from? What does it look like? And how can we pursue it? The best way to understand godly sorrow is to see it in action, like in Luke uh, 7, 36 through 50. Now, you know, that was the woman with the alabaster box of ointment. She came for one purpose, but only Jesus. That was the only purpose she came. And what did she do? She threw herself down, washed his feet with her tears and dried them with the hairs of her head. She poured her whole alabaster box of ointment on Jesus because he was that important to her. She poured the whole thing out over him to where it was dripping on his shoes because Jesus was that important to her. She didn't care how she looked before people. You know, people looking at her like, man, she's going crazy. See, a lot of us are, you know, we care what people think, but once again, we got to get back that. I mean, we got to get past that and get back to what God wants us. There's nothing wrong with it showing humility in front of others for Jesus Christ, if your heart is really in it. So you know what that woman did? It says, Jesus is attending a banquet at the home of a Pharisee named Simon, 
while the meal is going on, a woman with a sinful reputation comes in and begins sobbing uncontrollably at Jesus' feet. She dried his feet with her hair and anoints them with the costly ointment. And Jesus' guests uh, are scandalized by Jesus. Their guests are scandalized by Jesus, uh, knows why uh, she has come. He forgives her of her sins and tells her to go in peace. This woman's heart had been broken over her sin. She faced it, responded with, um, with faith-filled repentance and, um, was, and was forgiven, sorry. From her example, we see five signs of godly sorrow that we can apply to our own lives. Here's the first. Godly sorrow draws me to Jesus. This woman knew the depth of her sin and she sought Jesus out for forgiveness. It says, does the sorrow you feel about your sin uh, draw you draw you uh, to or drive you away from Jesus? Not all sorrow is the same. This is the second. Godly sorrow is driven by faith. The woman knew Christ had the power to forgive her her repentance was rooted in her faith. Your sorrow, effort, and tears don't save you. Only faith does. This is three. Godly sorrow expresses itself externally. She could have been hidden at home, weeping in her shame. Instead, she was compelled to come to Jesus and express her faith publicly. If your sorrow is not expressed externally, nothing of value has happened. This is four. Godly sorrow increases my love for Christ. Her heart was simultaneously filled uh, with sorrow for her sin and overwhelming love for Jesus. She knew how much she, uh, she'd been forgiven and it caused her to love him all the more. Uh, biblical repentance will deepen our love for him also. Okay, this is five. Godly sorrow produces assurance of forgiveness. Jesus urged the woman to go in peace. He wanted her to have confidence that she was uh, forgiven. Uh, we too can know that we are forgiven and our externity and our eternal and our eternity, sorry is sealed in him. When we ask God to show us our sin through his word and break our hearts with godly sorrow, he will lead us to genuine repentance. So hopefully people will get something from that. But once again, guys, we cannot afford to waste time with those who will not go. We've got to go out and win souls for Jesus Christ because every soul that he brings before us, we will be responsible for if we pre not, preach not the gospel. It's not just about winning souls, but it must be also a witness unto the Lord that souls will receive. And a good tool, as we've talked about so many times, guys, um, you know, is Pastor Price's book, The Organic Gospel. If you haven't gotten it, I suggest you do because it's a good tool for growth in Greek Jesus Christ, building our houses, and getting us in line with him. Okay, this book is $13.95. You can get it at the Organic Gospel website, which is uh, www.theorganicgospel.net. 
Okay, so you want to get this book. It'll be a good tool. It's not the only tool, but I believe it's one that God allows us to have that can help us in our spiritual growth and our walk. So I just want to say to people out there, if you know you're not saved and nobody knows this but you, give your life to Jesus Christ today while there is still time. Repent of your sins, turn from your wicked ways, believe on Jesus Christ in faith and believe that he died for your sins and ask him to forgive you and plead the blood of Jesus Christ over every area in your life. This is for unbelievers and this is for backsliders as well. Repent wholly unto the Lord, plead his blood over you because there are two people that know when you mean business and that is Jesus and that is the devil. Both of them know when you are sincere of heart and when you truly desire to be saved. One is gonna raise a standard against you and the other is gonna come to you, welcome you with open arms and build you up and fill you with himself. Get baptized, okay? And give your life to Jesus while there is time because the kingdom of heaven truly is at hand. So that way we can become vessels for Christ and we can preach the gospel and we can go after every soul that needs to be saved and that we may get to the place that we do not cast our pearls before swine, but we're gonna go to those who are willing to receive the life of Jesus Christ. Okay, so I just wanna say to people like that, that's the lesson for tonight. I love you. Tomorrow night's teaching, and I'm unsure of, it was gonna be on science and the Bible, but I feel like the Lord is aiming me in another direction. So we're gonna see what the Lord is gonna do concerning that. But I know that Tuesday's teaching will be called Eat the Whole Roll because it's important that we believe all of the words of God, not just some. Okay, so uh, let's pray. And I believe that we can go out from there. Read James 1 in your spare time, 21 through 27, about not just being a hearer of the word, but a doer also that we won't deceive our own selves. If this has been a blessing to you, subscribe to the channel, you know, and share the word with other people. If not, then go where you can be spiritually fed so that we can grow in the grace and love of Jesus Christ. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this time of sharing. We thank you for the word of God that is able to save our souls. Lord, we thank you for this time that we were able to get into your word, that souls may be saved, that people may be edified, that they may receive your gospel. And I just pray, Lord, that your word penetrated deep. I pray, Lord, if I said anything that was not of your spirit, Lord, I pray for forgiveness in it, Lord, and that you may show me that I may correct it, that I may make it right with the hearers. And I just pray, Lord, and I ask for a heavy anointing over the lives of those who truly desire to serve you, and even for those who are casting their pearls before swine, I pray that you give them a generating word that it may bring life unto that hearer. And if not, Lord, give them the strength that they may go and preach your word, for time truly is of the essence. We don't have the luxury of time anymore, Lord. So I just pray that you ring in the harvest. I pray that you bring as many souls as would receive you. I pray for your life and your love and your understanding in these last days that we may not preach out of ignorance and darkness, but that we may have words of light that may shine unto others, that they may choose Jesus Christ. Let all these things be done, Lord, for your glory and honor. I pray for my sister Tara with her sister, Lord. I'm still praying and believing that you are going to save her Lord, and deliver her and prepare her for the kingdom 
We pray for full restoration of our life that those tumors be dissolved in Jesus' name. And we also pray, Lord, for my brother Randy, Lord, who has a sickness that they're not even sure of right now. I bind the devil in Jesus' name for both of them, that you remove the wickedness that the devil is trying to ensnare them with, and that you pour unto them your glorious life. And I pray in Jesus' name for my brother Michael Adams with MS. I pray for my brother and sister Heather and Gary. I pray for my brother Greg, Lord, how you're using him, that you continue to use him that he may do your will. And I pray for my brother Rock T in Australia, Lord, that you build him up and strengthen him, Lord, and use him as you see fit. I pray for all those listening near and far, Lord, pour unto them your spirit that we may get an end time work done in you. I pray for funds for Dunamis Tabernacle, Lord, that you may bless them and give them what they need that we can give it one last push. We pray, Lord, and we ask that all these things be done for your glory and God and honor. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. So guys, that's gonna wrap it up for tonight. I'm Minister Derek Hallett of Sound the Trumpet Ministries, soundthetrumpetministries.com. Hey, Brother Wes, don't forsake your prayer closets, guys. Get back in line with the Lord, okay? Stay connected to him so we don't cast pearls before swine, but we will ring in a harvest for him like no other time in history. So I just wanna say with that, guys, I love you all. Minister Derek Hallett of Sound the Trumpet Ministries, soundtrumpetministries.com. At least until tomorrow night, have a good night. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.